0: much. If you like to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1 for me please, James chapter 1, book of James, in the latter part of the New Testament, just after the book of Hebrews, James chapter 1, we'll read the entire chapter together if you look down with me, we'll start in verse 1 when we're all there. James chapter one, starting verse one, says, "James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire." For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, which whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any, be a hearer of the word, and not a doer. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass." For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain." Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Amen. May the Lord bless his word as it's read and let it be expounded. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you that we can hold forth the word of life. We thank you that you've given us your words and you've preserved them for us. Help us to believe it. Open our hearts, Lord. Help our unbelief. Give us faith to believe the word. And please help us, Lord. Help us not to be hearers only, but doers of the word as we just read. We do pray that you bless your people, challenge them, we do pray, edify them. Fill them full of passion and zeal, Lord. Give them a, a fresh and new anointing. Help them to... Go back to their first love, whom they might have left. Perhaps, Lord, they have forsaken it. Perhaps they've drifted and grown cold, Lord. We do pray that you'd stir them up, we do pray. Help me to expound this as you'd see fit, Lord. May your will be done as we read this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you. I do consider this not only just a pleasure, but a gift that I can fill in here this evening and the respect i have for the men that have stood where i've stood is great that and i can surely truly say that i'm glad to just be here and to fill in now so let's look at james chapter one together i'd like to start from verse 18 verse 18 it says of his own will this is talking about the lord of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, of his own will, the will of God that we'd be begotten by the word of truth. That means it's God's will that we should be saved and born again. His own will, that's how we're begotten. And I think this is a biblical doctrine. If, if you're making notes, if you've maybe got a wide margin Bible like me, you're making notes, or maybe you're cross referencing, or you've got a Bible app. In 1 Peter 1.23, this is just a couple of pages to the right. It says, being born again. That's what it means, being, being begotten. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. This is something that I noticed in the Bible over and over again. In Romans ten verse 17, this is a famous verse, I'm sure you've heard of it. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is, this is like a theme. I found this in Peter. I found this in Paul's writings, in James writings. Even the Lord Jesus Christ said this in John 6 verse 63. He said the words that I speak unto you and they're the words of God. The words from Christ are the words of God. He says the words that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. They're not, they're not corruptible. It doesn't mean they go and then they fall eventually. It doesn't mean they go and then they rot. Uh, you know, like his body didn't see corruption. You know, there, there was no death that could cling to him. There's, there's, no, there's no rottenness, nothing like that. It says that it lives and abides forever, the word of God. And it says that James expounds it like this, of his own will, the will of God begat he us with the word of truth. It's that this isn't man's words, how we've been saved and born again. And then Paul later, uh, David actually says, thy word hath quickened me. Thy word has brought me to life. And when we approach the word of God, when we approach this word, we should approach it with reverence and think this was to the saving of our souls. As he later expounds, he says in verse 21, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluidity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. The word of God is able to save souls. And do you believe that when we approach his word, when we listen to his word, when we read, do, do we believe that? It's effectual? Do we believe that it makes a difference? Do we believe that God's word has power? Because it's very, very seldom nowadays. To go to a church, they might believe it. They might have a doctrinal statement on paper, but they don't approach the word of God with faith, with an open heart, believing that when it's preached, it can save souls. The, The word of God is quick and powerful. Paul said that I am not ashamed. Of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation, to the saving of souls. It's the power of God. Not, not words that I could speak to you now. I believe that this is the power of God. And he continues on. David said, Thy word hath quickened me. I'd like to just share a few things. D.L. Moody, I read this the other day. Someone gave me a book that D.L. Moody wrote. It's called um, Wade and Wanting, in the book and he said the bible is god's own words amen we'd agree to that and that is as truly his message today as when delivered this is just as relevant as if god spoke it today just as relevant as when he spoke to the Israelites on mount sinai when when this is read and this is spoken just as relevant today you want to know what god said this is what he said is peter said you know the scriptures are not of any private interpretation is that We we have a more sure word of prophecy, the word of God. Peter heard the words of the father. He heard him. But he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. So when we approach this, we should believe it as if it's the very, very words of God, because it is. And then Charles Spurgeon said this. I look at any Spurgeon quote that I hear through this quote here. I sum up Charles Spurgeon's quotes through this quote. Not that I like to quote him a lot. I believe he wouldn't have liked to be quoted as much as he has been. He said this. I would rather speak five words out of this book. I'd rather just speak five words out of this book than 50,000 words of the philosophers or theologians of the day. People that might sound wise, people that might seem to know a lot, worldly wisdom as it were. He said, I'd rather speak five words out of the Bible than 50,000 words of the philosophers. If we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the word of God. And I'm sure we've all prayed for revival. We've prayed that God's people would look to Christ, be right before God today, and it would see souls saved. But he said, if we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the word of God. If we want conversions, we must put more of God's word into our sermons, not more of man's wisdom. This is the answer. We, We have more than enough Bibles to evangelize the world, more than enough. More than, but do we believe that this is the power of God? Do we believe that this is able to convert sinners? Do we believe that this is spirit and life as it's spoken? If you go to 1 Thessalonians for me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, just share a scripture with you. 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul expounded something in verse 13. He said this, For this cause, when you're there, sorry, 1 Thessalonians, Chapter 2, verse 13, he's speaking to the Thessalonians. He said, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So Paul was thankful to God. He said, we can't help but keep being thankful. Why? Because you received the word of God from us. He said this, you received it not as the word of men. They didn't believe it just because Paul spoke it or Silas or Mark. He said, you received it, but as it is in truth. Believers ought to receive this as it is in truth. And we'll continue on. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul said, That the word of God effectually works in you that believe. You call yourself a Christian, that you're a believer. The word of God will effectually work in you. You know what that means? When the word of God is preached or read or heard, it causes effect. It causes change. It causes change that man's words could not do. Do we see the scriptures like that? Do we see the Bible like that? Many times I've gone into a meeting and my heart's been cold and I've not expected anything. And my heart was elsewhere. And I'd be naive to think that I could come to a meeting and everyone's heart would be ready, hungry to receive the word of God. If you go back to James chapter one for me, please. Starting off verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 19 says, wherefore? So that's the context. The reason why he's going to mention what he's mentioned now. So we got the context before. Wherefore? Because of this, my beloved Brethren. Now, I found that whenever I read the book of James, he says that over and over again. Brethren. Brethren. Fifteen times we see the word brethren mentioned in James. He's speaking to believers. And then here he mentions again, beloved brethren. Now, these people who James is speaking to, these believers scattered abroad. James considers them close to his heart that they're beloved to him, but not only just to James, but to the father. You know, you today are beloved of the father beloved of God that means you're you're tender and close to the heart of God not just oh yes God loves me no 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 you're beloved of God you today you're beloved of God that's who he's speaking to let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath I remember when I first got converted my son was only one years old still I remember when he was about two years old he's speaking a lot and I taught him this and he could always quote he had a very high voice at the time He could always quote this. Whenever I read this, it always reminds me of that. But the context of it here, of course, practically, we should be swift to hear. Be quick to be people that hear. Be quick to listen, not just be brash and speak out. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. But I believe the context here is about the word of God. It says this, be swift to hear. Brethren, be swift to hear. That means ready to listen. Ready to listen to the scriptures. Ready to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. What are you like when you hear the word of God? What's your reaction? Are you ready to hear? Uh, James said about receiving the word. Are you ready to receive the word of God? Or maybe you're just, I've kind of heard this. Oh, James chapter one, I've kind of summarized that up. Can't really, you know, I've kind of worked that out. Maybe maybe are you swift to speak, perhaps? Swift to wrath or are you slow to wrath? To react, to maybe think, "Oh, oh, James, what he's saying there. And by the way, whenever I read James or the majority of scripture, it pricks me to the heart. And believe me, like the carnal man does not like that. How do you react when the word of God is preached, when it's expounded to you, shared to you? Perhaps a brother or a sister would bring a word to you. How do you react? Are you swift to hear? If you'll go to uh, the book of Acts for me, please. This is a famous scripture. Acts 17. Some of you, that might have come to mind for you. Acts chapter 17. James said about in verse 21. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. That mean, do it with humility. Do it. You might know the word of God, you might be skillful in the word of righteousness, but still receive the word of God with meekness. And another scripture that would go like with that, Acts 17, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Remember, I quote that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that they they received it not as the word of men, but they received it as the word of God. But these Bereans, they were more noble than them in Thessalonica in that they received the word. They received it with all readiness of mind. How are you when you might go into a meeting? Perhaps you go to a Bible study. Perhaps you search the scriptures at home. But how are you when the word of God is presented? Do you are you ready to receive it with all readiness of mind as they were? He said that it's a noble thing. They were more noble than what Paul even said about the Thessalonians. He said in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And then look what happened. They searched the scriptures daily, whether those things be so. Yes, receive the word. But God's given us discernment. He's given us an unction from the Holy One so that we can examine this. We receive it and then we go home and we study the scriptures to see if those things are so. That's more noble than just, nah, yeah, I kind of know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Preaching. Yeah. New Testament, Old Testament, bit of doctrine, bit of practical teaching here. Very, very good. No, no. Go home and search the scriptures. Now, that's a, this is the most purchased book. It's probably the most read book, but it's the most neglected book ever printed. The most neglected book ever printed. Most most published book, most neglected at the same time. How bittersweet is that? How neglectful are you to God's word? The the power of God. That's able to save souls. That's able to effectually work in us. Are we neglectful to the word of God? Are we neglectful when someone would faithfully come and preach it to us? And by the way, faithful men of God are few and far between, especially in this land. Be thankful that you... Have a church, this is not just my opinion, I truly believe it, that you have a church where a man of God would stand up, not include myself, but a man of God would stand up and preach the word to you. Do you go home and see if those things are so, but do you receive it first? You won't be able to go home and see if they're so unless you receive it with all readiness of mind. Yes. And going back to James chapter one, he says in verse 21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls now to be engrafted what they do um i'm not a botanist but uh, paul mentions this in uh, one of his epistles in the book of romans is that sometimes they take a branch engraft it into another tree okay so it's described as the engrafted word as when you're born again you are plunged into christ into the kingdom of god And the engrafted word, but what is it like practically as a believer? As a believer now, does it come in? Is it engrafted? Does it meet your soul? And does it bring healing? Does it bring growth? That's how it should be. The engrafted word of God. It says this, carries on verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. I truly believe with all my heart there is a lot of deception in the world today. A lot of deception. I believe it's more manifest now than it ever has been. But it's it's a cry and shame when we as believers would deceive our own selves without the devil playing his part and the world coming in to deceive us as a church. We can deceive our own selves. And it's a cry and shame if we do that. If we're not doers of the word. Maybe, Maybe we do here. Maybe we do here, but we don't go out and do. Verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, this, this is what you're likened to and me, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. So he's talking when you go and look in a reflection, this is what you're like. You look at your reflection, no matter how long you could be there for an hour looking at it, and it says this, he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, look what happens, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. There was no point in him looking at his reflection the moment he turns around, he forgets what he was looking at. That can be us when we hear the word of God and we don't do it. There would have been no point in you hearing. You might think, yeah, I'm kind of playing the role. I'm going through the motions. I read my Bible daily. I, I go to church, but my heart is very far away. And most of the time, it's not wrong with the word of God. It's not at fault. Many times the preaching is not at fault. Most of the time, it's a heart problem. Did not the Lord Jesus Christ, he went and preached But their hearts were too hard to receive it. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, when you look into this, when you see this reflection, continue. No matter how painful it is, I know we have to lay things aside, as, as he did say. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Lay that apart. Lay it aside. In the book of Hebrews, it says, let us lay aside that sin that does so easily beset us. In, in comparison to running the race. Now, I used to be a long distance runner. You, I know I might not look like an athlete now, but I still you know, run circles around all the teenagers on a Friday night. But I used to be a long distance runner. And believe me. Like you don't you what you do not need is extra weight. Okay, when you've been running four mile, it seems like, you know, you hit the wall like the elephant lands on your back after a while. If you've ever heard that term, you hit the wall and it just feels like you can't push on anymore. Press on even more. Lay aside something that's clawing to you, that's clinging to you. He says this lay aside or lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. So whatever is clinging to us right now needs to be cut off. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. Perhaps that's the reason why you're not receiving the word of God. Perhaps something like that is stunting growth in your heart as a believer. Go to verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. I believe that this is perfect. Perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of his work this man shall be blessed in his deed blessed of god verse 26 if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue he deceiveth his own heart there's that terminology again you know what you do you deceive your own heart if i think i'm i'm a religious man You know, I'm a spiritual man, as it were. I I I go and do this. I practice this. I, I, I dwell here. I do this. I read the Bible. If I think I'm a religious man and I do not bridle my tongue, I deceive my own heart. And it says this, this man's religion is vain. Your belief, your walk, your practice is vain if you cannot bridle your tongue. You know why? Again, it might not be your tongue. It's a heart problem because at the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Maybe it's a heart problem because you can't receive the word of God. Maybe you have a heart problem because you can't bridle your tongue. And no natural man can bridle their tongue. When I was a younger man, I used to be known, even a teenager, even a boy, I used to be known for speaking too much, speaking things I ought not to. I used to be known as being mouthy. And I couldn't bridle my tongue. If any among you seem to be religious, do you seem to be religious? And you can't bridle your tongue. That doesn't mean you're just completely quiet. I, d- I don't make a peep. I don't say a word. No, no. Bridle. It. A bridle is a piece that you put in a horse's mouth so that you can control it. A bridle is useful. It doesn't mean there's no control over the horse. It doesn't mean you don't speak. It means your speech is controlled. It means the words that you speak, you think about it. And it should be heartfelt. It shouldn't just be dribble, empty words, vanity. James would go on to even to... Uh, bring nearly a whole chapter in chapter three about the tongue, about just vain jangling. Is that what we do to each other? When we, when we can have the most edifying, sharpest, most profitable speech, it, known in the world as believers, when we look into this and God just gives us such wisdom that we'd be able to sharpen each other, that we'd be able to bless one another, but we just come out with pure vanity because we can't bridle our tongues, because our heart has been deceiving ourselves. This man's religion is vain. God looks at our religion. God looks at us, our walk, as vain, as empty. It's unprofitable. Just like we go and look in that reflection, we may as well have not done it. Like I said, you could do it for an hour, two hours. That next moment, we forget what happened. We forget what we was beholding. Look at the end verse. It says, pure religion, pure religion, and undefiled, before God." And the father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, pure religion, what is that? He defines it for us. He says that you'd visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. When I first became a believer, I thought, well, yeah, of course you should do that. I always used to think, why Why did elders and and shepherds, they'd go and visit people all the time, they'd do this and that, because we're commanded to, because... In the Old Testament, we're told not to afflict them that are weak, them that are vulnerable, like the fatherless, the widows. We could look at this and think, okay, uh, pure religion, undefiled, visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Well, how about, good, we sorted out the widows, no longer afflicted, we sorted out the fatherless. No, 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 no. It's not just that. It's not just build an orphanage, visit the widows, and our religion's pure. No, it says this. To keep himself unspotted from the world, because you can find that in the world. You can find such practices in the world, even though it was common practice for believers for millennia to do such things. To build orphanages, to look after children, to teach them. I like the work that Lester Roloff used to do. He was a minister, a traveling minister uh, from Texas in the United States. He died in a plane crash and he was clutching onto a Bible when they found his body. Lester Roloff. Great preacher. I love this preaching. And uh, you might have heard of the Roll-Off course, a song that um, many people sing. He said that his desire was to reach lost children who had got into drugs. They was on the streets. They had no homes. They had no fathers. They had no families. And they'd, they'd, they'd put them in homes. They'd teach them the word of God. They'd get them to memorize scriptures. And they'd see that God would actually change their hearts and help them and bless them. Maybe we ought to be the same not just the fatherless and widows, but the whole law would be concluded as love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and love thy neighbor as thyself, especially the vulnerable, especially the widows. And that, that's hard work. That's hard work. And you can't do that if you have a hard heart because you can't do it in sincerity and you'll buckle and you'll crumble. But as believers, we ought to see and be moved with compassion. And visit them and help them and bless them. Not just in a physical sense. Yeah, I do believe that 100%. But what about the lost who don't have a father? A father in heaven who is a father to the fatherless. Who do we visit with the gospel? Who do we visit on God's behalf? Because he has appointed us ambassadors to share the word of God. Who do we visit who do not know the Lord? They do not have a heavenly father. They are fatherless. They ought to be visited about those who do not have family? They don't have church family. I know many people like that. Many people that watch on the live stream, they do not have brethren around them. They, we are truly, truly blessed if you look around. Come on a Sunday afternoon. Come on a Sunday evening. Look around. We've been blessed with a, with a great family. Just so diverse. I look around and, and even some new faces that I haven't seen for a little while as well visiting. And it's encouragement to me that I, I come here and I'm treated as a brother. And I come here and... I just feel so warm, encouraged, sharpened. And you might not even realise. And then other people, they feel just as encouraged. Be someone that is here. Be someone that's working. Be someone that goes out. Not just, oh, one of the elders can do that. No, 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 no. He's not speaking just to elders. Be someone who works. Be someone who labours. Who goes out for the vulnerable. The maimed, the blind, the lost. Billions and billions of people throughout the world. Blind. Blind without Christ. And we sit here and do nothing. We sit here and just look on. Oh, my religion's okay. I'm doing this. I'm going through the motions. You know, I, I come here. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I read in the Bible. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know why? Because we can come here. We can give a sacrifice of praise and we can sing. We can sing with the best, best voices possible, can't we? We can, we can play great music and we can even pray. We can give sacrifices of prayer unto God. We can give in the offering. By the way, that's what an offering is. An offering is a sacrifice. Maybe we give or we give a bit of time, but you can do that through disobedience. You can do it through lack of obedience. Saul gave an offering, but it wasn't through obedience. You know what the Lord does? He looks at our hearts and he says, I'd rather obedience than sacrifice. I'd rather you just obeyed than you just showed up. Don't come with a hard heart, be ready to receive the word. Perhaps You've had a hard heart. Perhaps you've fallen out of love with the word of God. I love that hymn. I'm going to pull that hymn up. That we, uh, I know whom I have believed. A beautiful hymn. I can't find it right now because I haven't got the number, but that it says that I know not how the spirit moves. You're glad I can quote it now, aren't you? (laughs) I know not how the spirit moves. Amen. How it creates faith in him. I know not how it happens. How the word of God is preached and it creates faith in Christ. We ought to be people that go out and expect the lost to be convicted. We ought to be people that go out, we're holding forth the word of life. Life. That's not just a fancy biblical term. It's a reality and a practical term that we can go out with the word of God. Not with man's wisdom. Paul never relied on his own wisdom and he was a great preacher. He was well learned throughout the law. He was blameless, but he done it through the power of God. We could do the same. No different. This is just as potent and powerful as when Christ spoke it. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Let's go out and share it. Don't be someone who keeps it to yourself. Don't be someone who doubts the word of God. And by the way, Satan loves to jump on our doubts. Satan loves to put a wedge between us and the scripture. He loves it. From the beginning of time, he said, Yea, has God said, thou shalt not eat of every tree of the garden. Causing doubt. And as believers, I sometimes I get doubtful. But God give me more faith. John the Baptist, he got doubtful. But you know what he did? He said, go see if it's him or do we look for another. John the Baptist is in prison. He's about to have his head cut off. And he sends his disciples to Christ. You know what Christ does? He quotes the word of God. They take the word of God back to John the Baptist. And he's full of boldness again. He's ready to go. Be full of boldness when you hear the word of God receive it yeah. receive it with meekness receive it with all readiness of mind and then you'll be able to go out with a challenged chastened sharpened heart and you'll be able to share it yeah. don't be people that just we look at this we read it just with an intellectual mind we gather and store up knowledge no 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 no, no. less I'd rather have a heart knowledge and be simple concerning the word of God than knowing all the philosophers and theologians I'd rather just know five words of this than 50,000 words of all the fanciest terminology you could find, this is given to. This is a gift of God. The bloodshed, the sacrifice, the lives given, the hours upon hours of studying by men who feared God. Word after word, they believed that God preserved it, and they believed that if I can just get it to the next generation, if I can get it to the plowboy, then God bless it. And we hold it in our hands, and we care not much for it. We ought to care more. We ought to be moved when we hear it. The word of God, it effectually works in us. That means it causes effect if you let it. Don't have a hard heart. Satan loves to come in, snatch that seed away. He loves to blind the eyes of the lost. It's worse when we deceive our own selves, Christians. It's worse when we deceive our own selves. And sometimes we'll hear it, but we won't go out and we won't obey. We ought to be obedient people, especially in these last Days, we can shine brighter than ever before. Thank you for having me come and speak. I do pray that's been a blessing to you. If you want to speak to me after. I mean, I I did ask that I could preach for like five hours, but he said, no, cap it. They'll walk out. But Do please receive the word. Receive it with all readiness of mind. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the word of life. We do give you thanks and praise that it was of your will that you begat us with the word of truth. We thank you that we've been quickened. We thank you that we, we haven't been born again of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by this word of God that lives and abides forever. Help us not to be quiet about it. Help us not to be fearful. May we not be ashamed. Please soften our hearts, we do pray. Help us, challenge us. Help us not to walk out here and be a forgetful hearer. Help us to be doers of the word, we do pray in Jesus' name.